Warning. By listening to the conversations on this podcast, you will begin to live the intrepid way. Life is short and moving fast. Only we can show you how to fully integrate a new business mindset coupled with a lifestyle design that will equip you with a new approach to overcoming and in fact thriving on the daily grind of life. And now, here is your host, Todd Schnick. Good morning and welcome back to the Intrepid Way podcast. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Going to be a great conversation. Uh, Several times over the last several years, we've had deep conversations around extroverts and introverts and how to be one, how to interact with one, how to manage one, how to help them thrive and survive in the world and in the business community. So we have yet another critically important conversation on this issue, and it's going to be very, very important. I'm looking forward to it. We're joined this morning by Katie Rasool. She is the author of a new book called Hidden Brilliance, and she's the founder and chief awesome officer of Team Awesome Coaching. Katie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Todd. Well, the pleasure is mine. I appreciate you making time to join us. I know you're awfully busy, so grateful for you to swing by. Before we get into a conversation around the new book, take a quick second. Tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work of Team Awesome. Sure. So I started Team Awesome and my own company about two years ago. And prior to that, really um, recovering HR executives. So I started my career in leadership and in HR and really led talent development and HR organizational development type functions for a number of years. So left the corporate world for at least a a full-time position and still spend my time there because I do now with Team Awesome do leadership coaching and I do advisory work for companies on their team culture. So I still spend time in a lot of different sized organizations helping their leaders be better leaders, help them understand the culture and the team around them and then help take a look at the organization as a whole. Outstanding. Well, again, thanks for being with us. Uh, it's funny that you describe yourself as a recovering HR professional. Uh, it's 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 funny to me how more and more people define themselves as a recovering X or recovering Y. I myself am a recovering marketing strategist. And, and it's funny because the topic today, a lot of the reasons I struggled in my old professional life, I've had a long, weird career that went off on different trajectories is because I was in roles where it was better suited and I was managed and had expectations of, of that being an extrovert. And it was sometimes I was not in the right environment because I was an introvert. So uh, it's interesting uh, that you think of that because I, I call myself recovering because i recovering from an old existence where extroverts were expected and it was not me. So funny stuff. So, all right. So again, the new book, Hidden Brilliance, A High Achieving Introvert's Guide to Self-Discovery, Leadership, and Playing Big. So isn't high achieving and introvert an oxymoron? <laughs> a little bit, um, but they, they do exist out there, but it's just not something that we tend to think to put together because there's so much misconception around what introverts are. And so we assume that leaders are extroverts because what we tend to look for is those visible leadership skills like charisma or people who speak up the most in meetings. And so high achieving introvert came to be because I 
and both of those things and have always felt this tug in both directions, but never could name it or understand it. And so the more I've learned about myself and was able to put a name to it has really helped me kind of feel home and feel understood for the first time in my life where um, we think about other things that I have read or learned about introverts. I'd get to the chapter in whatever book or whatever blog on career and the career topics would always be like how to speak up in a meeting. And I'm like, I'm a vice president of HR. Like I, I need some like higher level stuff here. Like how do I help manage these giant dreams that I have and these really big goals, but in a way that is honest and authentic for me as an introvert. And so that's how this was born. It was just knowing that there's super driven people out there that have really big dreams, but also have these introverted tendencies and this need to gain energy from being alone. Well, and that's the direction I want to take with this is, is how to be that introverted leader, because we could spend all kinds of time talking about very common scenarios that plague us introverts. You know, you mentioned the meetings. Meetings are torture for introverts. And, and a lot of people wonder why half the room is often not contributing. Well, it's probably because it's a miserable environment for us and you need to pay attention to that. Or the other issue, I mean, live, making us live in cube nation. We need quiet time, quiet space to be creative and, and thinking. And, and oftentimes a work and culture and setup is, is anything aligned to, to introvert. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Perhaps where appropriate, you can comment on that. But I guess there's benefits. I mean, talk about harnessing those benefits of being both a high achiever and introvert in terms of being a leader. Yeah. You know, I think that some of the big superpowers that I have come to understand about myself and I see time and time again in introverted leaders, the first is listening. And so I think that is, I call that the number one and most important part of communication is actually not saying anything and it's listening. And this is something that introverts tend to do really well. And not just that we can pay attention, but we're listening at a level that can understand what's happening, what's not being said, what the energy is in the room. And I can think back to people that I've led and pretty much understand what's going on with them just by them walking by. And, and that's it. They don't even have to say anything. And so I think that this is one of the biggest superpowers that we have as leaders is to be able to be very perceptive of the humans around us. And so if we can lean into that and really use that with one-on-one -on -one conversations with the people that we lead directly, that those can form some really incredible relationships, which is the whole point. That's the whole point of being leaders is that we form strong relationships with the people that work with and for us. The other thing that I think that I've really come to understand about myself and see this again time and time again is the ability to be able to strategize and come up with some really important ideas because we are able to take that time or when we're able to take that time and be by ourselves and have the time to think and process and let those ideas flourish then those can be really helpful for our organization and just the overall strategy. Yeah, boy, I, we could spend hours just dissecting what you just uh, rattle off there. I mean, this idea of listening, that, that is the secret superpower of introverts, is that we are good at that. We actually enjoy that. There's this common misperception that a good salesperson has to be an extrovert. And I can cite example after example after example of introverts are the, are the better salesmen because they do take time to actually listen to the customer and or prospect and see what they really need and want 
and then you can better serve them. So it's funny how that how that plays out. This idea of relationships, though, I mean, see, to me, a definition of a leader is someone who's tasked with creating more leaders, right? I mean, our, our job is to is to support our team, give them a mission and purpose, but then and provide an environment where they can thrive, grow. And that's that's a tricky thing for an extrovert, right? I mean, that's a big advantage that we have there. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, when you think about what our jobs are as leaders is I think of some of those skills where we're able to get things done and able to come up with ideas. Some of these things are sort of ticket to entry. Like you have to be good at the stuff because we are really good at promoting people who are good at the tasks or the subject matter. And so I consider that just baseline expectation, but then we do promote people who do not maybe have as strong of skills around relationships And that's where people start to struggle. And they might be good at getting stuff done, but if we aren't able to harness the power of relationships, be able to really hear and see people and take the time to do so, then what we see is leaders who are in leadership roles, but their team doesn't want to follow them. And it shows up in engagement surveys. It shows up in productivity and all those culture metrics that we know are out there and that we try and measure. I think we drastically underestimate the power that leaders have and how much how much skills that they need to be able to form really, really positive relationships. And so one of the things that I do and I'm really passionate about, you know, coming out of HR, but then being now in an advising and in consulting role is really doubling down and helping people in leadership roles learn how to listen, how to hear and see people and how to be able to build those relationships at a level that really changes the trajectory of the organization. Well, you mentioned engagement metrics. I mean, I I have such a struggle with that idea because how do you engage your human or how do you measure humanness, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here. and, and, And I worry that an introvert, whether they're just a team member or whether they're a leader, an executive, say, or at least a division or whatever, or they're leading people and they're an introvert. How do you, part of the problem with that idea is a lot of people don't know how to define engagement. You ask 10 people what that is and you get 10 different answers. Any comment, any thoughts on someone who's trying to understand how they can be engaged in their organization or from a management perspective, how to encourage engagement when you're dealing with introverts, because there's a thought I suspect that a lot of people think, well, extroverts got it easy because they're just outgoing and they love a conversation. So they're going to be perceived as being engaged. But I think there's a disconnect there. Any comment, any thought on that? Yeah, you know, it's a slippery slope because, you know, I work in that space in helping people measure or I don't you know do surveys, but I help them define like what are these Mm-hmm. surveys telling you. And it's it's just teaching people how to take the information that is in front of them, be able to synthesize it a little bit better. So it's all out there. Um, and I think about when we're leading introverts or even as introverts as, a, as leaders, one of the things that I think is the most valuable, like one skill is being able to ask open-ended and empowering questions, which is the basis of coaching is being able to ask open-ended questions that further the conversation, further the other person's awareness. And so if we think about if we're leading introverts, it's in a one-on-one conversation where we can ask questions and then really listen, then they feel like that's a way to drive engagement with them, is that they have the opportunity to say, 
what they don't maybe necessarily feel invited or safe to say in other environments. As an introverted leader, that's a great way to lead a meeting or a one-on-one with someone is to ask questions because you're so good at listening. You're going to get a ton of information out of that and the other person's going to feel really heard. And so one of those, that, that skill set can be so valuable in building relationships either with an introvert or as an introvert is just being able to ask questions and then truly, truly dial in on the answer. Outstanding. All right. Katie and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international bestselling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpeetler.com. All right, we're back with Katie Rasool. She's the author of a new book called Hidden Brilliance, A High-Achieving Introvert's Guide to Self-Discovery, Leadership, and Playing Big. So the subtitle mentions self-discovery. Such an important element to thriving and enjoying your, your work and your life. Most of us suck at that. <laughs> can, you, can you talk <laughs> a little bit about that and maybe also frame it in the context? Um, one of the there's a lot of benefits to being an introvert, but one of the negatives is we are we pay a lot more attention to that inner critic. I know I do, and I guess it's all kind of related to this process of self discovery too. So talk about that in context a bit. Sure. So, you know, I went on a bit of a self-discovery journey after I left corporate America and started my company. Uh, You know, several months in, I started to really just be under a lot of stress and felt this really heavy weight that kept getting heavier and heavier and um, basically had sort of this I call the existential crisis. Like, what am I doing? Is this the right thing? And what I realized was because I had become an entrepreneur and I was no longer in an organization where I had a boss and had organizational objectives that were part of the plan, I had these really high unrealistic expectations for myself that just kept going and going and going. And so When I think about this journey of self-discovery, for me, it has really come to learn what those inner critic voices are saying. And the other piece is is defining what really success needs to look like in this new world for me. So I learned that I have as an introvert, you know, this whole what I call the board of directors of inner, (laughs) inner critics that are having this conversation at the same time. So it really became recognizing who they were, even putting names to them. That's actually one of my favorite chapters in the book is it describes in great detail each of the board of directors. <laughs> are those awesome. voices in my head in a um, in a non-clinical 
problem sort of way. Um, I realize it sounds, <laughs> it sounds questionable to have all those. Yeah. But just to realize what's going on in there and bring it to the forefront of my awareness where I started to learn who's saying what and be able to take the power away a little bit and make sure that I was the one making decisions versus these other people who were talking out of fear. And so having the awareness of those inner critics, naming them and then saying, okay, thanks. I appreciate what you've done. Now get the hell out. I got it from here has been really powerful as I started my business and needed to listen to myself. But isn't it part? See, I love that. I love that process of yours, and it's it's intriguing because you do have different voices that have different perspectives based on the time of the day and the day of the week and the, you know, the scenario that you're currently engaged with or facing. And so you do have multiple voices. So I love this idea of the board of directors. I think there's there's perception though, and correct me if you think I'm off on this, but but. Those questions that you said, what does success look like for me? What am I doing? Am I, am I happy here? Am I feeling engaged? Am I feeling like I'm doing something meaningful? A lot of people still look at that as, an, as a negative. Oh, I, I should be on top of it. I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be in a situation where I have to ask these questions and, and or I'm afraid to, to know the answers. When I wish it would be turned into that's a that's a healthy process that that that's a good thing to be thinking of those things often and re and reflecting on it often. Yeah, world's changing fast, and and it's not a one-time exercise. I mean, this is I think this is at least for me, and maybe that's my problem. Is, is it's an ongoing process of continuing trying to understand: Am I doing what I want to be doing? Am I achieving the way I want to achieve? I mean. It, is that a right framework to say self-discovery is actually a positive thing and you should you should embrace that that exercise? Oh, absolutely. I think that you know a lot of us in the world are so busy that we don't take the time to do that. And as introverts, where we have a little bit uh, more rich inner dialogue with ourselves because that's how we process right. internally, that we tend to do that better. It's just when it becomes kind of problematic or it stops us from taking action that it now isn't helping us anymore. But I think it's a really important process to be able to look at those things and ask ourselves those questions and have the time to reflect. And I think about, you know, how we define success and that, you know, that's been one of the biggest questions that I've had to answer for myself. It was the hardest thing. And I realized for the first time that I had lived my entire career, worked at you know high levels with an organization and I was living by someone else's definition of success. So just the idea of saying, what what am I going to call it? What does success look like to me? Stopped me in my tracks for a hot minute and really had to define what that was. And what that meant was that it changed everything that I was doing. If I was doing something that didn't match this new definition of success, then it needed to go, but it was so freeing to be able to understand like this feels more right. And for the first time, it wasn't this place of kind of emotional friction for me in my career. So what used to be, you know, get promoted, get a bigger job, do more things became, I want to create something that alters the course of the world for the better, which was actually bigger and scarier but much more accurate. And so if there's something that I'm doing that is not altering the course for the better or, you know, it being part of that plan, then it needs to go. It needs to edit. And yep. it was nice to feel 
settled in the right place in the right path probably for the first time well and that's a as i record this i'm looking at my window and i'm seeing dozens and dozens of of tall high-rise office complexes with tens of thousands of people probably suffering from the things we're talking about right here on this call I mean, and and they're one they probably don't know what their definition of personal success is and if they do know they're afraid that it doesn't necessarily align with how their organization <laughs> would define success how do you what do you say to someone like that says well i i know what personally success looks like to me but it's not necessarily in alignment with what my boss wants me to do is it as simple as, well, then find another organization or is there a way to adjust, I don't know how, or put it into alignment in some way, shape or form that those can be congruent? Yeah. You know, for some people that might be the answer, but for many that you don't necessarily have that luxury or that it's not necessarily the answer to cut bait on your employer or your, your job. I think that one of the ways is to look at everything that you're doing and then connect it to the bigger picture and the bigger vision. So there's things that I do certainly in my job, even as an entrepreneur that feel like not the biggest, most exciting work, right? Like answering email or doing some marketing work might be like, not exactly how I want to spend my time, but I see how it is part of something bigger and that it is part of the end game versus being something that's working against the grain. And so when, even if you're in your organization and your role, say like, how does this help me with my actual goal or definition of success? I think where we struggle is when we are working towards someone else's definition of success and we feel like our work isn't meaningful that, that, you know, somewhere in our subconscious, I think is grading on us. And if you feel like, okay, my employer doesn't necessarily agree with these same values, but I'm, you know, making this money that is supporting my side job that might become my whole job someday. That's really exciting to me. I'm good with that. Um, so, you know, that's, it's, some of it is just mindset and being able to see how it does in fact play to the bigger picture. Well, and mindset is everything here, and and we have the power to change it and get it where it needs to be. And most of us don't take advantage of that power. And and we talked about engagement earlier, and one of the biggest causes for lack of engagement is when when you're working in service of someone else's goals or definition of success. And so you've got to get that aligned. And, and yeah, you're right. It may require a change in organization, but life's too damn short to spend 20 years in service to someone else's dreams, you know, so uh, that's sometimes you have to make these hard decisions. I've heard you talk about uh, three keys to to success. I mean, it's being effective, it's being fulfilled, it's being confident. Uh, certainly, those are big factors in, in my personal definition of success. Talk about those three elements a bit. What to do, what not to do. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things in being able to really live into this new definition is figuring out like, what do I need to do? What do I stop doing? And I think the stop doing tends to be the biggest Mm. uh aha because we tend to just add things and never take away. And so sometimes it's taking away things like, you know, in my own journey, one of the biggest things that I had to let go of was the fear. Like I realized I lived constantly in this place of fear of what if, like all the time. And I never even put myself in situations where I might fail. 
like ever like, in my life. <laughs> so I played it really safe and I, but I would always be like, Oh, I don't, I don't want my kids to fall. They might break their arm. I don't want this to happen. I'm going to prevent it. And so instead of being in this place of what if all of the time, I just had this awareness and aha about it that I made sure that I was constantly in a place of being in the present. And so that was one thing that was really important for me to let go of and be done with was the fear. Sometimes other things are just a little bit more tactical. So I do this thing called what I call the slash and burn. And when I start to feel really overwhelmed with all my expectations and everything that I have going on, I take a look at my to-do list and I take a look at my calendar and I say, what needs to go? And I start to take things off that don't align with the vision that don't align with the definition of success that I don't need to do. So I might delegate it. I might get rid of it completely. I'm going to say, I don't need to go to that event. And because I can physically feel this reaction of stress and my shoulders and my gut. So like knowing and recognizing that feeling and then being able to go back and say, what do I need to get rid of so that I stay and feel aligned has been super valuable. I do that probably Almost on a quarterly basis, I start to feel things getting a little crazy for me. And I say, okay, realign, go back, get rid of the stuff that just sort of crept in that didn't need to be there. Yeah, and that's part of the self-discovery and the self-reflection, right? I mean, you have to be attuned to when you are feeling that way. And we all feel that way. Everybody, there's not a superhuman out there who skates away and then doesn't ever feel that. And so that's, again, goes back to our conversation around this process of of paying attention to the self because you have to do that for for survival. And this idea of fear, I've built my whole whole theme of my, my business approach around fear. I mean, that's why my... Uh, a company is called Intrepid. I want people to be intrepid. Now, it doesn't mean you're you're never without fear. We all feel fear. It's what you do with it, right? And so I like to come at it from from the context of when you're feeling fear, then that's a that's a good thing. That's that's good data for you to to know because then you can take that's a key to a uh, that's a that's an instruction that you need to take an action, right? I mean, so Fear is not a bad thing. Fear is a good thing because it, it gives you signals that that should drive drive action, right? So, I mean, that you're never going to be without fear, and you shouldn't ever be completely fear. You're never we're never going to be. So, am I on the right path there? I mean, it, it should be a sign that you have a decision to make or an action to to take, right? Oh yeah, I, I love now when I have that feeling. It feels like fear or. Um, anxiety or excitement gone wrong, then I know like, oh, this is good. <laughs> this right. is a really good sign. That means I'm playing big enough. That means I'm doing things that freak me out a little bit, which is where I want to be because I can get bored in playing it safe. So yeah, I love that feeling. It's just when like I would be afraid of things and it meant I stopped doing what I needed to do or stopped taking big steps that it became like, why am I doing that? I'm simply holding myself back. So it's just having the awareness of like, oh, I'm feeling it. Is this something I'm excited about because it's really big? Or is it something that I need to let go of, change my mindset a little bit? But it is such a beautiful indicator. And I'm someone who kind of feels everything in my body. But I I literally lived my whole life without knowing that. Like I never realized that until these last couple of years. And so I can think of 
few years that now that I know that I can respond and make changes in my life so much more quickly because I can recognize that physical cue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nothing to add there. Great stuff. So talk about, because this is also a process by which you should form strong daily habits and practices. I mean, this is this is not you don't read a book, you don't see a cool motivational poster over the front desk. I mean, this is a this is an intense internal personal process. So, gosh, dive into habits and practices that that we ought to be tapping into. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's going to be everybody's journey to learn, but I think that one of the the things that has been really positive for me as an introvert and someone that has some big goals is finding some way that helps kind of cleanse your palate every day of thoughts. And so what I mean by that, that's been important for me is in the morning at some time, I need to do something that kind of allows a valve of all of the thoughts and the inner monologue going on in my head and give it some space. So I either go running is really helpful. Meditation is really helpful. If you've ever read the book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, she talks, one of her activities is morning pages where you basically just write stream of consciousness for 30 minutes and it works swimmingly, right? Like at the end of that run, at the end of those 30 minutes writing, all of a sudden, like all of that extra noise is gone and I can really focus in and what do I need to do today and so I have taken that as one of the most important daily habits a way to help quiet all of the thoughts and all of the processing and help me stay really present in my day and stay on track I agree I I, I do both the same I do meditation and I do run so I, I wholeheartedly endorse that but someone listened and said 30 minutes I don't have time for that I, I can't, you can't stress enough how important, I mean, when I run, I mean, I see people run, <laughs> I'm running through the streets of Chicago, there's thousands of people running, but they all have headsets on, they're all listening to music or podcast, or whatever, I don't do that, I, I need that quiet time, because that, that, that's kind of how I meditate, I mean, yeah, but you have to find it your own way, like my wife, she loves to cook, and uh, when she's in the kitchen, is I for me, it would be a great time for me to sit with her, have a glass of wine, just kind of chat with her while she's doing it. But she doesn't like me to do that because that's her quiet time. That's her meditation is when she's in there tinkering with food. And so I have to give her that space. But we all have to do that. And even extroverts, in my opinion, need to find that time for space. Uh, but it's critically important for us introverts to do that. And no, there's no strict rules on how to be a good meditator, for goodness sakes. Everyone does it differently. Everyone has a different process. But you you just have to find that time, right? I mean, it's 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 absolutely essential. If you say, I don't have enough, what's the great line? Uh, I don't have time to meditate for an hour. Then they say, well, boy, then you need to do it for two hours. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's however you do it. You don't need to get on a mat and light an incense and put on yanni. I mean, I, however you do it, you've, you've got to get that space and that time to to process this, all right? Yeah, I mean, to find what works for you. So maybe running doesn't work, but meditating does, whatever it is. And I think about it this way now as like a total investment of my time. That 30 minutes means I save an hour and a half or two hours later of just like me wasting time because I'm all over the place. So if I don't take that 30 minutes, the rest of my day is completely unproductive. And so... It's an investment where I'm saving time on the back end, and I know that. Like I know I can kind of test that theory, find what works for me, 
and it makes such a difference. And I, you know, I, I think about when I worked in corporate America and was in an organization and between all of the meetings and all sorts of time that was just wasted, frankly, within organizations, I probably had like, if I was lucky, two hours of solid good work a day because I was doing, I don't know what else for the rest of the day. So now I can look at my day in the same way. I'm like, well, if I can work four or five really good hours out of the day, that's, you know, like a 200% improvement or more (laughs) over my previous productivity. So that's pretty good. And the rest of that can be setting my day up for success. Yeah. I think most people, if they really allow themselves to think on it, they they may work nine to five in a corporate headquarters somewhere, but they're not putting in much quality work time because they got to go to meetings they don't want to. They have someone knock on the door and say, hey, can I have a minute? It's hard to get that focused time. And, and it's even harder when you're in a cubicle environment. I mean, it's that's why it's such a, a, a tough environment for, well, frankly, in my opinion, for everyone to work in, but particularly uh, introverts. I'm trying to figure out where to go. I have 50 questions I want to ask, and we're running low on time. This, I guess what I want to ask you to do, Katie, is... For someone listening who is low man on the totem pole, they're an introvert, and they're afraid of figuring out how to communicate that so that they can better fit into their organization and better serve and, and contribute to the mission and purpose. Because like, they want to, but their, their introversion has got them in a place where they're not comfortable. How do they begin to communicate? How, what actions do they take to kind of begin to communicate to the team that there are certain things they need? So one... Part two is if I speak to management, speak to the leaders who have a team under them or half of them are probably introverts and they're not doing anything to pay attention to that. Any advice you can give to management to, and how they can be more aware and provide an environment where they can thrive? Yeah, I think on both accounts, it's about being getting as specific as possible. So for people who are looking as introverts looking to better thrive in their environment, I think being able to really articulate for yourself what works for you and what you need and then being able to make those specific asks of people at work. So an example of that is, you know, I had someone on my team who was an introvert who really needed that quiet, uninterrupted time to do some of her creative work. And so we talked about that and we said, okay, how do we make sure we don't interrupt you? And so we made her a really fun sign that was like, shh. Don't don't knock. I'm journaling or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. And that was fun. Like it was lighthearted, but it was something that helped us not interrupt her. Or if you go into meetings and say, I really like to know what the agenda is ahead of time because we like that. Right. Like oh, we yeah. want to know what to plan our thoughts around and be prepared. And so asking your leader to you be more productive in meetings and have agendas available for what we're going to bring to the table ahead of time. Now, if you're a leader and you suspect there's maybe introverts on your team, I think the biggest thing is just finding out what they need and getting specific again about it. So asking those open-ended, empowering questions, like how do you best like to work? What time do you most cherish on your schedule? What does productive time look like to you? And being able to ask that, or how should we better run our meetings that would be more effective for you? Because we do know like, we need to interact with people at work. It's not like we're working in a vacuum. And just being able to listen, but then make a concerted effort for those people or in meetings be, be ready to 
um, look and see not just who's talking the most or the loudest, but gather ideas even after the meeting or before the meeting from other people. And so there's a lot of ways to make sure everybody's voice is heard and that everyone on their team feels included and, and heard through one-on-one meetings as well. Yeah, I'm not saying that introverts are mute beasts that can't, can't say a word. I mean, we, we we can be very social. We just need the, 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 the downtime following that. And we do need a more prepared and planned meeting opportunity uh, versus just being thrown into it and asked to contribute. So great, great points. All right. Well, Katie, we're uh, running low on time. Uh, I do appreciate, uh, again, you joining us on the show today. Before I let you go... Should anyone have any questions of you, of Team Awesome Coaching, or want to get their hands on a copy of the book, Hidden Brilliance, A High Achieving Introvert's Guide to Self-Discovery, Leadership, and Playing Big? Oh, also, you have a TEDx talk, too. How do we find all of that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of information on my website, which is teamawesomecoaching.com, and I'm all over social media, either as Team Awesome or as Katie Russell. And the book is available on Amazon in a, a few different versions. And the, the TEDx talk is on the TEDx YouTube channel, but you can find it on my website. So if you are interested in and a little bit more around this topic, that's a great way to spend you know 18 minutes or less learning a little bit about it before the book. But I think it can be something that's really valuable for introverts, extroverts, entrepreneurs, just anyone with big dreams. So hopefully people will go check it out. Katie Rasool, the founder and chief awesome officer of Team Awesome Coaching and the author of Hidden Brilliance. Katie, it was a great pleasure to have you. Thanks again for stopping by and joining us. Great conversation. Thanks, Todd. All right. It's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Katie Rasool, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you again soon on the Intrepid Way podcast. Thank you for paying attention to today's conversation. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and most podcast apps by searching for The Intrepid Way. And to support our work, we would certainly appreciate a rating and review. To learn more, check out toddschnick.com. That's T-O-D-D-S-C-H-N-I-C-K dot com. We'll see you next time.